Hey, hey you, this is Steve. Got a secret for you. This episode, it's an April Fool's Day joke. Don't take it too seriously. It was originally launched on April 1st. So before you unsubscribe from the podcast in a fit of rage or send me hate mail about the content of this episode, not intended to be taken seriously. If you want actual useful information, just skip to the next episode in the feed. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 13. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent BJJ approach. So we're pretty deep into the series now. We're 13 episodes in. Uh, Matt and I have had a lot of time to talk about uh, how our, our mindset has changed regarding jiu-jitsu. You know, there's, as you kind of dig deep into all of these mental models, it really kind of creates building blocks that allow you to think in a structured way. And you never want to be married to your ideas. You know, you always want to revise uh, your thinking. You always want to make sure that you're, you're willing to listen to the other side and come to the best possible decision. So today uh, we wanted to just have a free form episode and talk a lot about best practices in jiu-jitsu and also provide some updates to models that we had previously discussed and some new thinking that we've encountered. Uh, we've actually done a lot of research to kind of see what, um, you know, different competing and um, different opinions say about the mental models that we've provided. We've also listened to a lot of feedback. So uh, consider today to be kind of like a corrections episode and just a, you know, a free form episode to talk about best practices in the martial art. Yeah, we usually spend time talking about specific mental models, but today we're just going to have a chat and discuss a plethora of different topics. So. Yep, yep. So some of these things are going to harken back to conversations that we've had prior. Um, hopefully you guys are able to align this new thinking with the, the previous topics that we discussed and see how maybe think our thinking has been updated as we've uh, developed the mental models behind jujitsu. So the first thing that we want to talk about is training at other schools. Um, we talked about this extensively in a prior episode. I, I think it was the episode about gym culture and etiquette. Um, something I've come to realize after talking to a lot of instructors is that, uh, you know, it might actually be more beneficial to keep your training in-house. Um, we previously talked about how, you know, it's a good idea to, to kind of go out there and, and train with other people, but I'm starting to feel now that maybe that's actually not the case. Uh, there, there's something to be said about, you know, having cohesion within your team, about having a, you know, a tribe and having your own set of ideas, you know, kind of like having a local gym culture. And I, I kind of feel now like if you go, start going out and training at other places, you run the risk of polluting that. Right. You know, yeah. you really at the end of the day, you know, if you think about it, like if you're in the army, you don't go and train with other armies. Right. You know, you yeah. kind of stay with your team. I think it's important to kind of keep that degree of insulation. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think it's pretty obvious, like just being in jujitsu for so long that I've only learned under one instructor. Uh, mm -hmm. when I'm at the school and going to other places to learn is just not something that actually adds up over time. In fact, you actually hinder your development by seeing other games and, and, uh, and trying new things. I, I think it's really important that, you know, you have full understanding that your instructor knows best. He knows best for your journey and, uh, to, to go against that and to, like you said, pollute your, your own progress and the progress, progress of others in your school, uh, is, it's not, it's not really responsible or a good thing to do. Yeah. I, you know, this is, it, it sounds kind of counterintuitive at first, but when you think about it, you know, you have to have confidence in your own game, right? If you're always questioning your game, you're never going to have the confidence to actually apply it in a live role. So, 
in order to keep that confidence, you really can't allow people to challenge your ideas. Um, and going and seeing how other people think is going to force you to challenge your ideas. And that causes a level of mental discomfort that you want to avoid, right? Yeah. When you, when you're building your game, you want to have a, you know, a game that you can feel confident in. You want to have a safe space where your ideas aren't being challenged and you can double down and develop confidence in these ideas, regardless of whether or not other people think that they're legitimate or not. Yeah. Having your ideas questioned can really be, uh, it's demoralizing and it, it, it hurts, right? It's painful. Yeah. You, and, and one thing I've learned about jujitsu is you want to avoid pain as much as possible especially mm -hmm. in a fight mm -hmm. that's why we use jujitsu yeah i'll just i'll just go ahead and double down and say that no one has ever improved by cross training yeah yeah i mean if if you look at these guys who cross train like where where are they really right you know all of the famous people that you know are they've only ever trained at one place right yeah um you don't hear about these people who kind of bounce from gym to gym because they never really get ahead it's it's important to find one thing and one game plan and strategy and idea and commit yourself to that 100 and never deviate from that no matter what evidence you're presented with because if you're always changing your ideas you're never going to get very far down one path right and it's important to just continuously commit to one path and keep going down that road no matter what evidence is presented to the contrary yeah it's it's so true and, and see that's why i'm so i'm such a big fan of uh gym tattoos mm -hmm. because you know nothing says that you're a team player more than getting the gym's logo tattooed on your body yeah and i think that that and it is, discourages you from ever leaving right it's an incentive because yeah, if you if you get that tattoo it becomes more painful to leave your gym and you should never abandon your your gym no matter what evidence is presented or what re, you know what happens it's important that once you make that pick it it's irreversible right it's like a marriage you can never get out of it so yeah. and having that tattoo really shows to your instructor that they can do whatever. Yeah, you're no. loyal and that no matter what they do or no matter what they teach you, you're going to hang around and, and not question them. Yeah. And, you know, as an instructor, before any of my students even reach their black belts, uh, they're going to have to get my, my gym's insignia tattooed on their stomach. Mm -hmm. It's just part of the... It's part, it's how I know that I can trust them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's how they can prove trust to me as, uh, as, as my student is... They have to get a tattoo of my gym. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, yeah, it's good to show respect and, and to build relationships on a day to day basis. But what really matters are these um, these symbols, right? Yeah. You know, it, it, what it, your actions actually aren't that important. It's the symbolism that matters. That's why when you get married, like, it's not about how well you treat your spouse or anything. It's about whether you put that ring on, right? Like, it's yeah. all about the symbol. Yeah, exactly. And, and just, just like gym loyalty, like, for example, I'm never gonna, or, uh, I'm, I'm actually, I, I never used to, but now I think it's actually a good idea when I see certain people questioning their instructors in class, you know, especially like mid lesson, if the instructor is showing a technique. I think if you're if you're in an in a class and then you see something that you disagree with, you should call it out right then and there, and yeah. you know, right in front of everyone, just why it doesn't work and why your technique is better. Yeah, and it, you know this is the thing, right? Like you got to have again, it comes down to confidence. You have to have confidence regardless of your level of experience. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a white belt if you see your instructor showing something and you don't think it would work, then you should just interrupt class and blurt that out, right? I mean, it's very important 
to express free ideas. And that's what freedom of speech is all about, right? It's about your right to say whatever you want, whenever you want. That's, uh, you know, it, it's not about, um, you know, wh whether you're right or not. It's not about showing respect to the people on your team and understanding that other people might be there to actually learn. You know, it's it, maybe if you have an idea, even if you're like a day one white belt, if you saw something on UFC that you think brings value, you should just stop the class right then and there and bring it up. Like arguing with your professor, um, especially at inopportune times, really shows that you have a culture of tolerance. And that's important in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, everyone needs confidence. And through jiu-jitsu, we learn confidence. So that's good that we're already practicing what we need to do to yeah. get that confidence. Yeah, and sometimes the best way to show confidence is just to be a, a rampaging asshole in inappropriate situations, in inappropriate situations, right? That shows to everyone in the class. Like if you as a day one white belt can just like start criticizing your instructor, I mean, that sends a very positive message to all of the other students because they look at this and they'll be like, wow, like this is a place where everyone can express their ideas no matter how valid. And, you know, and it, it, that's the kind of culture that you want. You know, we've talked earlier about how jujitsu is like a laboratory. Um, a good gym is like a laboratory. Well, what better way to have a laboratory than just have everyone kind of chiming up at any moment whenever they have something to say? Yeah. And, and you know, all professors have these special moves, their favorite techniques that mm -hmm. they like to use and i, I i'm th i'm thinking more that learning as many secret techniques as you can is probably the best way to get to a high level in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, this is something that I, I actually kind of observed recently watching like a lot of the 10th Planet stuff is they have they have all of these very, very specific moves that I've never seen before. You know, I've never seen them in a role. I've never, I mean, I've never seen them work, but it kind of makes me realize, well, that's because I've never, I've never really seen them, right? Yeah. How much more effective would these techniques be if they weren't even on YouTube? If they were like totally, completely secret? Because then you have the element of surprise every time, right? Like if you want to start going for like, you know, pinky finger locks, like that kind of stuff, if your opponent doesn't expect it and you've got a whole game based around it, it's going to be an advantage going into any situation. And you know, while we're talking about ways that you can respect your instructor, it's disrespectful to take the knowledge that your instructor has given you and share it with other people, right? I mean, if, if nothing else, you know, your instructor, um, they, they, you know, they teach you this stuff to make money. If you're going and giving away all of their tricks for free, then you're weakening your gym because other people are going to learn your secret tricks. And also, you know, you're denying your instructor the ability to make their money. And isn't that what jujitsu was all about, right? It's like helping your instructor, you know, make the gym profitable and and, and wealthy that should really be one of the goals of any team is to enrich the instructor yeah as much as i'm a fan of outbursts in class i i also i, I really respect professor and i i, I make sure because he invented those techniques right? yeah yeah yeah. Like, like those secret techniques are things that he invented himself uh and and named them in themself i mean take eddie bravo for example he's he's invented so many moves and with cool names like the sock lock and the silver bullet these these aren't even positions that are invented, and the, then he they comes literally along and never existed. Until. He he changes the game by by cre by you know naming them and inventing them. So and clearly he did invent them. I mean, if you want the evidence to that, like he's the one who named it. How could he have named it if he wasn't the one who invented it? I mean, clearly it never existed before, or someone else would have named it. I mean, you can look into it. You know what I mean? This guy is definitely he's he invented 
like the whole uh the rubber guard system for sure but you know he's he's never renamed anything he's only invented things yeah yeah and you know if you see uh, this is actually a kind of a lesson that i've learned too if you see something on youtube that someone is showing um if, if someone is freely sharing their knowledge and they're you know they're kind of putting all of their tips and tricks out there you should immediately assume that that game is not that good and is never going to work because everyone's seen it now so there's no way it would ever work in an actual fight right like um you know if you've got like some sort of like high elbow guillotine that you've pioneered or something like that uh, or you know or some sort of leg lock system well as soon as you put that on youtube it's never going to work again because every you know all you need to do is watch the video once and then you'll know immediately how to defend and once you once you've seen that youtube video there's no way it would ever work in real practice yeah you get you, you try and watch as many youtube videos as possible mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who from they're all really good so you gotta you know youtube is where i learn most of my new techniques yeah you've got to expose yourself to all areas of the game right you know like i I think um i I discovered recently a new choke that i think ari bolden put out called like the death star choke and it was really fancy and cool i've never seen it before right i've I've watched that guy for a long time like some of the best instruction on youtube is uh i think his name is rek now and uh definitely one of the most legitimate and uh, decorated grapplers in from Victoria. Yeah, it's it's all about volume, right? I mean, if you go to someone's, um, you know, to their channel or their website or their Facebook page, and they've got thousands of videos up there, I mean, what else could it mean than that that person is like a top tier grappler and their and their content is fantastic? Because how else could they have amassed all of that stuff if they were wrong or incorrect or were low quality, right? Like, there, yeah. that's you kind of want to look for volume there. If you go to someone's YouTube channel and it says they've uploaded a thousand videos, you can take that to the bank like that's a good place to get your information from yeah and 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 ari ari bolden now his name is ari k like he started doing japanese jiu-jitsu which i think in a lot of ways is is superior to brazilian jiu-jitsu i mean he started out doing uh uh you know there, there was some controversy but you know people are liars he he is a bjj black belt like you know he's got that type of gi yeah. on right so i figured he's got to be a bjj black belt yeah. and then when you watch his leg lock system i mean the mechanics are just yeah and, and one thing I've learned since getting my black belt is that like once you get that black belt your techniques are basically certified legit, right? I mean, it's, it's not it's not like a black belt legit. is going to leave you lead you astray. Like if yeah. you see a guy wearing a black belt, it doesn't matter what like the lineage is or how long he worked to get it or how he thinks about the, the art. Um, you know, there you couldn't possibly get a black belt unless you really know every aspect of the game inside and out. Like at, at black belt level, you should really be able to understand and identify almost every single move. I mean, if yeah. you know, as as a as a you know a black belt instructor, if if a student came up to me and they were say, you know they asked me like hey how do you do some like inverted google plata type thing man if i can't explain it i got to give that belt back right like that that's part of the standardized belt testing that we have or that we should have across the board like you should literally be an encyclopedia of these techniques especially as you get further and further down the road yeah you take a guy like ari i mean he's a japanese jiu-jitsu and a bjj mm-hmm. black belt under keith owen who's like i mean He's just got so many schools out there. Have you seen the belt testing that he mm-hmm. does? It's on YouTube and it's like really high level, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so being a Japanese jiu-jitsu uh, black belt, I mean, Ari's, he can do things that we can't do. Like mm-hmm. he knows how to eye gouge. He knows how to groin strike. Yeah. He knows how to throw punch, right? Like, you know, with when he's got those types of uh, of experience, I just, I know that in a fight, I, I'd probably... 
I'd probably give up my back. Yeah, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where we, we have to keep in mind, like, hey, we all love jiu-jitsu, but it is, Brazilian jiu-jitsu especially, it is the gentle art, right? Like, And it's the, a sport art. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's like, it's for sport, whereas yeah. Japanese jiu-jitsu is like, that's, that's it's for, on it's, the street. It's for, yeah, it's like, it evolved from like samurai combat, right? Like this stuff, this stuff would not have lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years if it were not legitimate. Yeah. So there's, you've got to respect all of the other arts because they do fill in kind of some of the holes that you see in jiu-jitsu. You know, we know with jiu-jitsu, yeah. you're, there's obviously no striking. We know that's a weakness. We also know yeah. that the stand-up game tends to be a weakness for most jiu-jitsu practitioners. You've yeah. got to also understand that there is like the self-defense, you know, like legitimate, I want to hurt the guy aspect. And yeah. um, in jiu-jitsu, you know, you can delude. And the technical aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's Japanese jiu-jitsu is more technical. Yeah, like you can you can delude yourself too with jiu-jitsu because you might be like a super effective grappler when, yeah, when you're doing like, you know, jiu-jitsu or, or even when you're doing MMA, you might think you're a hot shot. But yeah. man, like as soon as like eye gouges and groin strikes and biting come into play like it's, yeah it, yeah yeah it's, it comes down to who knows how to do that yeah like man when you got like a guy locked in an arm bar and he starts like elbowing you in the balls like that completely changes the situation you know you yeah now i know what everyone thinks like well couldn't you just completely rip the guy's arm off of his socket and it's like i think you're underestimating the blinding pain of like ball strikes and eye gouging it's like it's, it's like a oh. death touch basically right yeah it's like it's like the dim mac right? yeah 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 exactly like if you if you take okay you take a guy like ari Bull who's a Japanese jiu-jitsu black belt and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and you put him against a sport jiu-jitsu grappler like I don't know some of uh, someone like a uh, Paulo Mayao I'm pretty sure with the Japanese jiu-jitsu background Ari Bolden's gonna win that street fight yeah. when there's no rules it's and just it's a more complete street, game right it, he know yeah. yeah like I mean good luck pulling guard and baron bowling me when I can gouge your eyeballs you know mm-hmm. what I mean like it's just not gonna happen um, and, 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 you know, you want to talk about like sport jujitsu, like one, one thing I really think is, is, uh, dangerous about sport jujitsu though. And something that I'm, I'm actually, the more I think about it, the more I, I agree that reaping the knee actually is probably for the best. And that's because, uh, our knees are the most You mean knee reaping bands knee, is for the best? Knee, knee reaping. Or? No, no. I think, I think that knee reaps should remain banned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah. Knee reaps should remain banned because most of the injuries that anyone's ever seen have been to the knee and because of knee reaping. Yeah, I mean, there, there's this myth going around that like... You've seen how bad it looks. Yeah, it looks, it always looks terrible. I mean, I, I, there is a myth that knee reaping um, is that, you know, that like heel hooks are actually quite controlled and they're, you're, you know, you're unlikely to get seriously hurt if you have I control. Used, I used but, to think that, man. Yeah. Uh, but like, like, I, I actually heard someone tell me that like, they thought that like jumping guard was more dangerous like, on the knee than knee reaping. But I mean, you just look at it, right? Like, you know, you're attacking the knee. Well, like, why would this have been banned for, you know, decades and decades, if not for the fact that it is, is dangerous. Like, you can't question the IBJJF on that stuff. They've got the experience to make this call. I mean, they, like, first of all, like, you know that most most IBJJF is, uh, like, is gi, we're talking gi-related stuff. I mean, when you put that gi on, like, if you reap that leg, there's no escape. Yeah, it's, it's like wet cardboard. It's just going to, like, yeah, it's collapse, like, Do right? you want my knee to explode right yeah. now? It's just, it's just, not, it's not needed. It's not part of grappling and it has yeah. no, it's not even effective anyway. So yeah, we, I don't even know why you'd want to do something. Yeah, we, we want, I mean, every submission, like it's very important that these submissions be civil, right? Like we don't yeah. want, we want it to be a gentlemanly or gentlewomanly sport. You know, it should be civil. We, you shouldn't actually have submissions that can like, 
actually hurt the person, yeah. right? Like that's that's not what they're about, right? Yeah. Like if, if you want to do that shit, you go to Japanese jiu-jitsu. Yeah, like you know, if you're actually doing moves that have the potential to hurt somebody, then you're you're not really doing a legitimate Brazilian jiu-jitsu submission. Yeah, when it's when it's all about technique, you know, you don't you don't want to actually do anything that hurts. Like for example, like I when I when I'm doing a rear naked choke on someone, like I, I need to only get a blood choke. There's yeah. n- there's no place in the sport for cranks or air chokes or anything mean like that. Like it's uh, in in my school, I don't even allow those types of chokes. Yeah, yeah. You know when when Helio Gracie invented jujitsu, he was very clear that I mean, he blood- invented grapple. Yeah, I mean, I like let's give the man credit, right? He he was very clear that blood chokes are the only legitimate forms of chokes. That's how he, he beat uh, Kimura, right? Is, you know, he he had just a much more a, un, a solid understanding of the ground game. So you can't question this guy when he says this stuff, you know. Um, if some, I, I know that some people like air chokes or, you know, even cranks. And, like, th- those are, like, right up there with, like, knee reaping, in my opinion. And, like, if you... In if you, danger or dirtiness? Well, in both, right? I mean, like, if, if you, like, if you, like, choke someone's windpipe, like, like... I mean, how do you know, like, their head isn't going to just come off, right? Like, the windpipe is like, that's like almost part of the spine. And like, I mean, I don't want to get too, too far into biology here, Matt, but you know, like, you could, you could like literally like pull someone's head right off if you put that pressure on the windpipe. Well, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like what Joe Rogan says. It's like you're, you're, all, you're cranking, you're cranking, and all of a sudden the head will come off really yeah, yeah, quick. Yeah. It's like a heel hook. It's like, okay, you've got my leg. I don't feel anything at all. And then all of a sudden my leg literally explodes into small pieces. So yeah. Like it's, it's the kind you of. could kill a man, break their neck with a yeah. neck crank. So yeah, that, why I do mean, it? That's why this kind of stuff is so frowned upon, right? Um, you got to be careful. Like if, if it were me, I, I, not to ever claim that I'm in the league of the IBJJF and I would, ne- I would never put myself on that level. But if I were part of that group, I would suggest that like if you're rolling with someone and you tap them with a the choke and then they tell you, hey, that was a blood choke or hey, or sorry, Harry, that was an air choke or hey, that was a crank. Like, I think you should roll back that win. I think that like even in the gym, yeah. right? Like if you if you get on top of someone and you choke them and they say uh, that was an air choke, I think you should apologize and like you should have to restart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, there's no need for a neck crank. Like, don't be dirty. Get better technique, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's I, – I, I know that if you've been following the episodes up to now, you probably are thinking, well, hold on. We were talking about like alignment, right, and talking about exploiting levers. And shouldn't that imply that like any exploitation of lever to break alignment is a good thing? And, you know, up until about a week ago, that's kind of what I thought too. But now, you know, hearing about all of these ridiculously nasty injuries, like I mean – you There's you know, so many knee injuries so and many. neck injuries. I mean I – I, I like I I couldn't like cite one right now, but I can go Google it afterwards. Like there's all of these like injuries from like air chokes and, and cranks and knee reaps that are out there. Like I I mean you can just go and look it up on your on your own. I'm sure you'll find this stuff. Uh, it really goes to show that like there's a reason why this stuff is banned and you've got to trust the IBJJF on this. They've yeah. been doing this a lot longer than you have. They, they've they created these rules for a good reason. They would never ban or discourage things if not for a good reason. Like when you hear people talking about how like, you know, donkey guard should be banned, like I'm sure there is a good safety reason there and it's not just some weird aesthetic decision. Oh, 100%. I, I, I mean, you should not question IBJJF. They're basically the Olympics of, of jiu-jitsu, yeah. basically the Olympics of jiu-jitsu and they should have the authority. I yeah. Mean, th- like the moral authority, really. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that, and that's, and that's why I think everyone like 
you know, every year, if you want to compete in their tournaments, you should pay their membership fees. You should. You should register with them, right? Should, yeah, everyone should. I mean, I, I, in fact, if you don't, you're not really a real black belt. Not even close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, never in history. You just there get been a, a situa- lot out of, of their memberships. Yeah. There's a lot of value you're going to get out of that membership. Like never in history has there been a problem with like forced registration of people. Like this is something that we really need to embrace when it comes to the IBJJF. Like they, they really, there needs to be a central database of all black belts because otherwise, how can you guarantee that the art isn't going to get like diluted away from, you know, Master Helio's vision? It's true. And you definitely, you can't be a competitor without paying them for that membership. First. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, um, like w- w- one thing that I think is really good for uh, for the IBJJF is um, you know just just having all of these standards that really hold us to a higher uh, a higher level for jiu-jitsu and in the end it's going to make the sport a lot more mm-hmm. uh, legitimate and have a lot more integrity as mm-hmm. a governing body yeah 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 and I, I think that's why you know I I think all of us uh, especially those of us who own gyms can should look to the that kind of model to understand like how you can set the bar for integrity. And we don't, you know, we should all be striving to put those kinds of rules and create that discipline at place, even at a, at a local level. Like if you're a gym owner, um, first of all, I would say if you're a gym owner and you are not part of a major franchise, like your gym is not even worth discussing, right? I mean, Matt, I'm sure that, that you can understand this, right? Like I know that you've been thinking for a long time about like that Gracie Baja affiliation and uh, uh, that, that kind of thing. That's like a, that's like the like seal of a approval you know that's the lineage that ties you back to the to the gracies and without that you're not really teaching true brazilian jiu-jitsu you're just teaching like generic grappling and how good can that really be yeah like i think i think jiu-jitsu should have been should be taught the way that grandmaster helio wanted and intended and that involves you know everyone in the gym has the same uniform everyone you know you sell their clothes for them you bring Mm -hmm. in lots of clothes and you bring up you bring them up for seminars so that they can make that money. You know, that's, that's how you pay back Grandmaster Helio. That's how you pay yeah. back the family for inventing yeah. grappling. Yeah. You, you and, owe that family, yeah. right? Like, and in return, you know, they're giving you so much, right? That's, that's how this works. Your, your gym does really good and, you know, you standards go up, everything goes up and, uh, you know, you, you just, you end up making a lot of money and it's, it's, that's what we're looking for as gym owners. Yeah. Like team, team uniforms are super important. Like this is another thing where like, there's never been an example in history where uniforms have led to any sort of like trouble, right? Like having uniforms yeah. is always a positive sign of morale and team building. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, it, I'm, it can be expensive to buy these things, but it's like, don't you owe that to your instructor? They're giving you all of this outstanding knowledge. Like, it's not like they're charging you for that. I mean, at some point you have to be paying back to them, right? So why not support them um, and and buy their merchandise, right? Yeah, like, like it's nice when you go into a school and everyone's got the exact same uniform, you know, there's no difference and everyone's the same. That's what we need. That's what we're yeah. trying to, like, that... I think that's a strength through uniformity, matters. right? Like that's yeah. yeah, pardon the pun, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And definitely, you know, if if you don't wear your team's uniform, like how are you supposed to express yourself? Yeah, right? I, you express yourself by wearing the, the wearing the team's insignia. Yeah, it's it's not about expressing yourself through your own individuality or preferences. It's about expressing yourself through your instructor's individuality and preferences, right? That's how you unify a team is through like loyalty and devotion, right? That's and right. sometimes that comes along with transmission of cash, right? Sometimes you've got to pay back into the coffers. Yeah. And, and definitely when, when I'm training in the gym, one of the things that I really like to do, uh, 
is is you know I'm, I'm i'm not afraid to to show that i'm proud of myself when i do well so sometimes when i'm rolling with people i'm i'm I celebrate a lot of wins in the gym. Uh, you got to recognize your victories, right? Like, like, even the little ones. Yeah. Like, you know, and sometimes I'll be rolling with like a girl or, or you know, maybe a, kid, a white belt. Or sometimes a kid. Yeah, in right? the kid's class, you know, and, and you know, you, you get that tap. And sometimes you hold it on. Feels a good. Little, you hold yeah. on a little longer too. Sometimes because I want, I want, you know, let's say it's it's a it's one of my kids' class. I want them to know this is how it feels if you don't tap. Yeah. Right. So only it's about then, sending a message. Only then will you know how far that I can armbar you before it, it, there's a little pop. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I know that in tournaments, you know, you like, sometimes people are like hard on, you know, celebration after a win. Um, in tournaments, you know, it can be seen as excessive sometimes, but I do think it's important. Like you worked hard, you got that win. It feels good. You should validate your performance and and not just at the tournament level, but like even on the mats, right? Like, you know, when you have that hard roll with that guy, you got to do that victory lap, right? You got to, that's like your professor is going to see that and he's going to notice that and he's he's gonna that's part of how he's gonna validate and realize okay maybe it's time to promote this guy right when he sees like that that's the feedback to the instructor that you're on the winning track he sees you winning all of the time in the gym um you know when you celebrate it draws that attention and if you don't do that how is your instructor ever going to know that it's time for that promotion yeah and and it's like that old saying where it's you know you the way that you train in the gym that's how you're going to compete yeah well you know if i'm if i'm training for the worlds then in the gym i'm going to pretend that it's the worlds in my head i'm out there in at the world so mm-hmm. you know if look out and yeah. I, it doesn't i don't care if you're a beginner if you're uh, a kid i'm probably going to come at you and then i'm i'm going to let you know just yeah. the afterwards that's how happy I am that I just won the world. Yeah, it's kind of like success visualization. You know how they say like if you want to, you know, if you want to succeed at a really hard goal, you need to visualize that goal. The the in-gym celebration is kind of like another piece of that, right? Like, you know, you're you're kind of visualizing that success. So, you know, when I like, you know, jump up and down and do a cartwheel after I tap someone in gym, that's just me creating the mindset of a champion that's going to pay off later when I actually go to a real fight, right? Yeah, and and I mean that's how you stay humble. Right? Right. Like you just you got to get it out of your system and then you're humble the rest. Exactly. Of the it's and and yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm in the gym, a lot of the time, um, I think I think the best place to start is from my knees. Yeah, this is this is something I know there's a lot of controversy around that. But like, again, this kind of comes back to safety, right? Like stand up is a you know, we talked about like leg reaping and air chokes and how dangerous they are. But like just standing up is like unbelievably dangerous. The, the risk of injury is so high when you're standing up. Like you can't be having that in, if you want to actually build a gym for the long term. you got to, yeah. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Like people are going to fly into each other like ping pong balls. You know, it, it's it's best for everyone if you just start from your knees or, or even better, one person starts from guard. That's that's the, kind of the best scenario yeah. because that, again, it ties back to what Master Helio would have wanted, right? Like yeah. he wouldn't have wanted you to stand up. Yeah. He would have wanted you to go to the to go to the floor. So you're you're really not only is this better for safety, but you're tying this back to the vision of jujitsu from a hundred years ago. Yeah, and as we all know, it, the fight doesn't start until you're in the closed guard. So yeah. I mean, just like, everything else doesn't really count, yeah. right? I, I totally agree with you, Steve, about stand up being so dangerous. I th- I I mean, if you ask me, I I think it's kind of brutish and just mm-hmm. there's no place for that. It's Yeah. 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 Uh, all fights go to the ground. We know that, you know, we should just start from our knees because yeah. that's where the fight's going to go anyway. So if I just practice by starting my knees, I'm pretty sure that that's going to work 
you know, most of the time in competition. Yeah, if you remember back in UFC 1, um, they they said on commentary when they were pumping up uh, Hoist Gracie, they were saying that, you know, the reason why the ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu is so dangerous is because 90% of the fights go to the ground. Um, now, I've never seen the, the scientific research behind that, but I'm pretty sure that must have come from like a study that they actually did, um, you know, because otherwise, why would they have said that? Yeah. So, it, it must be true. So, why not just skip all of that unpleasantness about like the stand-up part of the fight and just get right to the floor yeah if, if you want to do that stand-up stuff like go go do hapkido go do ufc go yeah, go yeah. do one of those like you know those stand-up arts but you're diluting yourself this is though, bjj right? like, like it's about closed guard yeah it's on the ground. That's what Master Helio would have wanted. Like, just get the fight to the ground yeah. no, and no one gets hurt. And, and honestly, it's better for you as a, as a fighter too. Because like, if you look at these guys who do stand up like wrestlers and MMA fighters, like you put those guys with a guy who does straight jujitsu and the jujitsu guy is going to tear them apart every time. Because yeah. like, you know, what what good is like wrestling if I can just pull guard to you? I mean, I immediately pull me, pull you into my game and you've got nothing left. I've, I've like negated your entire martial art. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, you've played closed guard in, in class before. For, like they can't hate you from there mm-hmm. you know what i mean like once you go there it's you're basically you're invincible there yeah, so yeah it's yeah. like that's like you where just pull you their head be. down like they all you have to do <laughs> yeah. is like if they start trying to punch you you just pull their head down i never get in the ufc why I, th- I think the problem you see in the ufc is all of these guys are like early blue belt level because they they got to the guard and the other guy just like tees off on their face and they just don't know how to defend it like all you have to do is pull the guy's head down and then like tighten up your your grips and that's it yeah and, the, and, and i love when mma guys are like Oh, well, the mount is like the worst place to be in. Like, okay, I don't know. Like, you could just punch the guy in the dick from the bottom. Like, his dick's right there. There's, yeah, you just reach behind and just like drop a hammer fist on the dick. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't. We already talked about groin strikes. It's like, it's like, you know, that's the end of it if you get punched in the balls. Oh, it's the end. That, that, that actually is the most effective martial art. I mean, I saw UFC 4, right? Like, I know how effective this stuff is. Uh, you, you don't want to mess around with that. You know, it's, um, all, all of this other stuff. Like, I, Unless it's, you're a thug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it sounds appealing. Like, you know, um, jujitsu sounds appealing in theory. Like, you know, oh, you have control and you have alignment. And, but I mean, the reality and something we haven't mentioned earlier is like all of the stuff about alignment and breaking posture. That stuff only works if you're not getting like bitten or punched in the balls or gouged in the eyes. Like those kinds of things take it to another level that we're not ready for. Right. That's right. So that, that kind of stuff, that's where the mental model breaks down is as soon as something someone like starts trying to like, you know, poke you in the eye. Well, that's like an immediate posture structure and base break because the pain is so severe. Yeah. And and posture structure base is only for jujitsu usually. So it's like once, once they, you know, it it just, it, it goes out the window. It's just like when you get hit in the face, all of a sudden you're a purple belt, then you're a blue belt, then you're a white belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pressure points too. Also have a, you know, it's like, man, that, uh, that stuff like bypasses posture, structure, base, and just like attacks the nervous system directly. Yeah. It's just like if you were to get tasered, it's yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you can't do anything about it. Yeah. That's, that's why those pressure point attacks are so dangerous. Yeah. And that's why you never see them in high level grappling is because you can't introduce something like that without like serious risk of injury to the other person. Yeah. And it's just not gentlemanly. Of course. We've yeah. already talked about things like reaping and, you know, it's, it's not gentlemanly to reap. And why would you want to win like that? Anyways? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's only a quality win if it's a win the way that Master Helio would have wanted. That's right. right. Like, 
Like, why are we doing this if not to honor the lineage of the Gracie family? I'll tell you one thing. I'm not questioning anything that the IBJJF does or Grandmaster Helio. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, an- another thing to kind of tie this back to the to the beginning, you know, uh, we talked about Matt's celebration um, and how, you know, it's important to have the, you know, to celebrate your wins on the mat. Um, and the counterside to that too is like you as a more senior person should never allow yourself to lose to a more junior person. Like, I mean, if, if you were to ask me, that's like, that's cause for having your belt revoked, right? If you get tapped by a junior person. Oh yeah. Like I, I think that's grounds for demotion. Yeah. Like I'm always watching too. Right. And, yeah. and if, if you do get subbed by a lower belt, that just shows that you don't deserve the belt yeah. that you have. Yeah. And I mean, and make no mistake, like every time you get tapped, especially by a lower belt, your instructor is watching and they're making a note of that. And that is going to affect your future performance. So it's, you know, it's super critical that when you are in that submission, like, you know, when like the guy who one level below you gets you in that arm bar, you just got to go all or nothing. Like your only yeah. legitimate defense at that point is beast mode because you cannot afford to get tapped by a junior belt. The stakes are just too high in the gym. Yeah. And, and like, if you're in an arm bar and they're hanging upside, like spike them, like get, do what you got to do to get out of there. Because like, like your, your instructor is watch. How do you think your instructor got his black belt? Yeah. Do I you know. think he tapped to a lower rank? Never. No, no, of course that's not. That's how he got to black. Belt. Like that, that's why black belts in jujitsu are so rare, right? It's because like, you got to get all the way up there without ever getting tapped, even in gym by a more junior guy. Like that's a, that's a hard ordeal. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to go undefeated for that long. And that's why getting, you know, everyone says that getting a black belt in jujitsu is hard because it takes like, you know, eight to 12 years, but no, it's, it's hard because you got to train eight to 12 years of losing one time i've never tapped to a lower belt me neither no like i i I would rather let them break the bone than tap to a lower belt because my instructor is going to find out right like and if my instructor finds out i might come in one day and now i'm in brown belt again and man like that's i don't want to climb that mountain do you think helio ever tapped to a lower belt no i mean look look at helio's most famous moment was getting his ass kicked to the point that he actually blacked out but he refused to tap and that's why he won that's how, that, he that's, how he, that's how he beat Kimura is just he took a beating without tapping. And what is more noble and, and what, 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 what is a more pure victory than just refusing to give up when you've been just completely demolished? Like, isn't that what jujitsu is all about at the end of the day? That and steroids. Yes. <laughs> also, another thing, steroids don't work. Yeah, yeah, it's a myth. Um, it, it, you know, I, I know that we talk about how, you know, steroids are terrible or, and, and you shouldn't be doing that. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I, I think a lot of that might be a bit of a myth. I mean, there really is it's no a placebo effect. Yeah, right? there, there really is no evidence in jujitsu that steroids have ever had a beneficial effect to anyone. And, and uh, you know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, of course, there's no evidence of that because no one's actually ever done a study on that. But like, let's be real. If steroids were a, a legitimate performance booster, you would be seeing people in all sorts of sports getting caught and busted for steroids because it helps the performance. But uh, clearly, that's not the case. So clearly it's not actually helping in jiu-jitsu yeah some people say that that there are there is steroids there's been talks of steroids being in jiu-jitsu but that's just impossible because the ibjjf would test for that I yeah mean, they're like we got to trust these guys they're yeah, on top of it they test everyone they're drug drug testing everyone so mm-hmm. if no one's getting popped for steroids then 
Yeah. IBJJF would not lie yeah. about that, right? So yeah. I don't even think people are really doing a lot of steroids anyways. They, and I think it, the word's getting out that it doesn't really work. Yeah. Like, I mean, the IBJJF, I'm, I'm sure. And again, I haven't looked, but I'm sure that if you Google it, you'll probably find a lot of documentation about their comprehensive drug testing program. So uh, this is something that I think we just don't have to worry about. And we can just end the conversation here. Like it's, it's clearly a non-issue in the sport. Yeah. It's a non-issue. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I think that was a good chat. Um, I hope that this provides a bit of guidance to all of you. Consider this kind of like a correction episode where we talk about some of the things we've learned since episode one. Um, you know, please do um, take this and make mental notes of this stuff and kind of adapt that to what we've already discussed. Um, and, you know, as we talked about earlier, um, you might, if any of this stuff, you, you're li- listening to this and you're thinking, well, this sounds a bit odd. This, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. As we mentioned earlier, like, look, guys, if we tell you that this is the way it is, you got to trust us on this. It's the way it is. We've been doing this for a long time. We, there's no reason why we would be giving you misinformation, um, especially to like now of all times. Like there's no reason. So you got to take our words for it that this is good stuff. This is the truth. Just run with it, right? Like just, just try it. Don't question it. Just try it. Thank us later. Yeah. And I, and guys, you know, if you have, if you have any questions or ideas, like, you know, just, we're not really into questions right now. We're kind of uh, working on some stuff right now, but just know that, that Steve and I are black belts so that like, we just, we know what we're talking about. right? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about it. Like we said, we've never tapped to lower ranks. This is how we got our black belts. And we're at a, we're at a different level once we get our black belts. So yeah. Just, like, I don't need to question. I mean, I know that we, in the past, we've talked about how important it is to submit questions, but like, look, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you as, as a black belt, I have already thought of and answered pretty much any question that you could ever come up with. Just be patient. And I'm, I'm sure at some point we will answer what you, you know, you were going to ask. I don't want to, cause you the humiliation of having us have to like read your question and have the whole world think that you don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, if, if we're not bringing it up, it's not something that you need to worry about. You know, it's not a bit of information that you need to know. So just listen to us. If it's important, we'll tell you about it. That's the end of it. I hope you guys enjoyed this chat. Yep. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening.